Hebrews chapter 3. Uh, as we know, as believers, our faith and our lives are all centered in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, he is our Savior, and as you grow spiritually, you realize He desires to be the Lord of our lives. Um, actually, there are over 300 titles and descriptions of Jesus Christ in the Word of God. And there are two given in chapter 3, verse 1. But just to review a few of them, Jesus is called the Alpha and Omega. He's the beginner of all things. He's the one who completes all things. Um, and he will complete our lives, Philippians 1, 6. He which hath begun a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. So don't get discouraged as a Christian that everything isn't fallen into place like you would like it to. Um, the, the important thing is to know that you belong to him and the work that he began in your life he will bring to completion that's Philippians 1.6 he's the Alpha and Omega the completer uh, he's the mighty God he's the image of the invisible God he's the word of God he's the only begotten son he's the great I am he's the teacher he's the great physician he's the head of the church He's Christ our Passover. And he is also, as it says here in Hebrews 3.1, he's the apostle and high priest of our confession. Now the word apostle means one sent. Uh, he obviously, Jesus Christ came having been sent by the Father in heaven. And uh, he was sent in the sense that no others were sent. There were the twelve apostles and they were sent out uh, with the message of Christ. And um, yet the, the word of God is very clear that Jesus Christ as the apostle, the sent one, was sent in a very unique sense. And Jesus knew this. In fact, in John's gospel alone, uh, 26 times he referred to this fact that the father had sent him, had sent the son. And of course, uh, not only was he sent, but he willingly came for you and me and died for you and me. He said, uh, I lay down my life and no one takes it from me. And Revelation 13:8 says that Jesus Christ is the lamb slain uh, before the foundation or from the foundation of the earth. So uh, there was some type of communication in the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit on the fact that, yes, man would be created, but man would fall into sin and would absolutely need uh, to be forgiven and uh, cleansed. And Jesus, of course, we could say volunteer. Yes, he was sent by the Father, but he desired to come and lay down his life for you and for me to meet our greatest need. Uh, he's the apostle and high priest. That terminology was very familiar to the readers of this letter, the readers, the Hebrews, believers who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He's the high priest. He's the one that opened up access to God for us. You know, we need constantly when we come to worship, we've got to keep reminding ourselves that we belong to the God who created this world. And he's interested in us. And he wants to meet our needs. And he meets our needs through his son, Jesus Christ. And uh, those who don't have the son don't have life. But you and I have been brought to the son. Uh, we have seen that he gave his life for us. And, you know, uh, you've heard this a million times. Don't believe everything you see on the Internet uh, under the banner of Christianity. There was an article not too many weeks ago. And... Uh, 
Luann printed it out for him. I almost tore it up without reading it. But I thought I'd better read it. And it said, Jesus Christ didn't come to die for our sins. See, those kind of things kind of stir me up. You know, If you want to get me stirred up, show me some false doctrine. <laughs> it's awful. It's awful. Specifically, the Word of God says Christ came to die for our sins. He was buried and he rose again, paying the price for us. When I see things, and why did he come? You, you're saying, well, what, would, what in the world would be in that article? Oh, the fact that Jesus Christ, and you've heard this before too. He came to be our example. He came to show us how to love others. Well, he did that too. But the main reason he came was to give his life for us. He's the high priest. His sacrifice in Hebrews uh, 7.25 says, Now he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he ever lives to make intercessions for us. So there's two things in uh, Hebrews 10.25, uh, 7.25. Number one, he came to be a sacrifice for our sins. And number two, very important, he ever lives to make intercession for us. And that's called the intercessory work of Christ. What's the Lord doing today? He's praying for us. And once in a while you'll hear some people who don't believe these things. Had somebody a number of years ago say, well, I don't think the Lord prays for me. What does the text say? It says he ever lives to make intercession for us. He's interested in all our lives, and he can be interested in all of our lives at the same time. He's able to minister to us through the Holy Spirit who lives within us. Yes, he ever lives to make intercession. Uh, he's able to save completely those who come to the Father through him. Now, this section 3, 1 through 6 here is an interesting little section of Scripture because Jesus is compared to Moses. And the reason the writer of Hebrews makes this a comparison is because the Hebrew Christians, those who put their faith in Jesus as Messiah, some of them were being persecuted for their faith. And they were thinking about, some of them, going back into Judaism and uh, leaving the assembly of uh, born-again believers, those who have put their faith in Jesus as the promised Messiah. And uh, they, of course, had great reverence for Moses, which many people do. Uh, those in the Jewish faith, those in the Church of Jesus Christ. <laughs> and, of course, a number of years ago, um, even Hollywood uh, thought Moses did a pretty good job when he uh, opened the Red Sea. And they had this man by the name of um, Charlton Heston uh, fill in the character of Moses in the movie entitled The Ten Commandments, and back when that was made, that was very interesting, and got people thinking about it, didn't they? Uh, they? They got people thinking about the Ten Commandments that God gave. But the Lord Jesus Christ, of course, is um, uh, worthy of much more honor and glory than Moses, and the writer of Hebrews is telling the Hebrew Christians, and some were professing uh, in their faith, others had truly trusted the Lord, uh, the Hebrews, uh, that Christ is worthy of uh, our worship and our uh, adoration uh, because Moses was the lawgiver and he served the Lord faithfully, but Jesus Christ is more than the servant of the Lord, although he's called the servant of the Lord in Isaiah. He's God's only begotten son. And I, I like how the writer of uh, Hebrews mentions it here in verse 6. Um, you'll notice he says... Uh, but Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are. <laughs> I like that. 
Moses uh, was a faithful servant over the people of Israel, but Jesus Christ is the faithful servant, but he's the son over our house. He's our Lord. He's our Savior. And we go to Him. He's our final authority. And He's watching over us. He's taking care of us. He's the the Lord over our house. Did you see that little phrase there in verse 6? Whose house we are if we hold fast our confidence in Him? True believers, it's called the perseverance of the saints. True believers maintain their trust and their confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. Pardon me. Lord Jesus Christ himself. Uh, and he is Lord. He's the, the Lord over the house, the church, the body of Christ. And we have the responsibility as believers uh, to set apart Christ as Lord in our hearts. In other words, yes, he's our Savior. But we have the responsibility to say, Lord, you're not only my Savior, but I want you to direct my life. I need you. To, I need your wisdom. In fact, every day, remember we talked about this before, we should pray for three things every day on your list as you pray in the morning. Three things. We pray for wisdom to do the things God wants us to do. We pray for love to relate well to those who we see through the day. And we pray for power, the power to do the Lord's will each day. Uh, It's a wonderful way to start every day. Heard that many, many years ago. So uh, the section is uh, comparing uh, Jesus to Moses, but actually it's talking about the fact that Jesus Christ is absolutely superior, uh, the unique Son of God. You'll notice the word therefore is there, and you've heard this many times when you see it. Therefore, figure out what it's there for. It's looking, taking you to look back on the previous chapter where the writer of Hebrews says Jesus Christ is superior in his person and his work. He's superior to the prophets. He's superior to the angels, which those Hebrew believers had great respect for. But he also, don't miss 2.18, therefore, look, takes you back to 2.18, for in that he himself was um, has suffered being tempted. In other words, Jesus Christ persevered uh, through temptation and pain and death. You say, yeah, that's true. I've heard that before. He persevered. He suffered. He experienced pain. He experienced death. But the the meaning of it, the apostle says, who wrote Hebrews, he says the meaning of that is because Jesus Christ endured these things and you in this life, you endure your own kinds of pain and agony and concern. He's able to help you. You and I were tempted to sin. He was tempted to sin as well. And again, don't miss... 18b of chapter 2. Because he endured these things, he is able to help those who are tempted. Thank the Lord. <laughs> we could go into a testimony service. When's the last time the Lord helped you with regards to a temptation or in time of a trial? He's an awesome Savior. And that's what the writer of Hebrews is trying to get these Hebrew believers or, or professing believers, whichever they are, in that assembly to understand. Uh, He persevered through temptation, pain, and death for us. And now he is able to help us. You know, one of the verses um, in the Old Testament a lot of people love to turn to is uh, Psalm 46.1, where the psalmist says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. That's a good verse to remember, isn't it? 
<laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> and we're not going to do this testimony time. When was the last time you were in trouble? We won't do that. But um, the beauty of that verse, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. You know, we have prayer in the prayer room before the service every Sunday. And someone uh, brought word that uh, there's a brother in Christ who's not in this fellowship. And we try to figure out who it is. <laughs> but who is in deep trouble. I mean, really deep. And uh, we who are responsible in leadership of the flock here, we really need to pray for them. Um, but the Lord's there. And he's there for you and he's there for me. When we find ourselves in situations which, boy, sometimes we don't fully understand. He says, therefore then, he says, we ought to consider Jesus. Now this is really interesting. Consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. Consider him. Now when we use the word consider, we can kind of use it in a light way. Uh, let's say you're out somewhere to eat dinner and... Um, the waiter comes up to you and says, uh, would you consider having a salad with your entree? You know, would you think about it? That's not what's meant here. It means to really focus on the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. The word consider as it's translated here is actually in the original a strong term. Fix your focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. Consider him to be who he really is. In fact, later in the same letter, you're going to go all the way up to chapter 12 later. And it's going to say, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. In other words, there's some, we've heard this for so many years. Some of us are older in the faith. You know, you've heard people say, you need to keep your eyes on the Lord. That's true. That's true. We need to keep our eyes on the Lord. I remember a number of years ago, uh, my oldest brother had the privilege of leading the faith in Christ. And he called me one day and he said, oh, did you hear about that? Uh, that uh, scandal that that preacher got involved in. He said, see, I, he said, uh, Ken, he said, that's why I'm a, a skeptic. And I said, Wayne, I said, can you find anything wrong with Jesus Christ? <laughs> he said, well, <laughs> he said, now that you put it that way. <laughs> and before he passed away, and it was only days before he passed away, he said, you know, he said, um, I do see that Jesus Christ loves me. Boy, it brought tears to my eyes. Probably will this morning. He said, I see that Jesus Christ went to the cross for me and I've heard it all my life. And I never really believed it. And we're going to talk in a few minutes as we pull it all together here about believing the Lord and what he says. He said, I heard it all my life about Jesus giving his life for me. And he said, um, Ken, he said, I didn't believe it. And I didn't believe in him. And then after he got saved in the hospital... We gave him a Bible, and he's reading it. Went in the day after he got saved, and he says, I can't believe I've been neglecting this Bible. He says, I can't believe it. It's so interesting. Well, you know, I'm sorry he missed so much in his lifetime, but he did come to see the beauty of Jesus and the power of the Word of God. Amen. Yes. He's the apostle. He's the sent one. He's sent by the Father in heaven. Not only to give his life for us on the cross, and that's most important, but also remember in chapter 1, verse 2, that Jesus Christ was sent as the final word of God. Remember in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said, He who hears my word 
words and believes them will be likened unto a man who builds his house upon a rock, a solid foundation. Uh, it's vitally important that people listen to the Lord Jesus Christ. And, you know, as you keep growing spiritually, you find, you know, it's really important I get my Bible open every day. It's really important that I allow the Lord to speak to me for, through his word because God wants us to listen to the Son. Um, at the time of his baptism, remember the Father in heaven, in heaven said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. It's a wonderful thing for you to be able to say, you know, the Lord spoke to me through this passage of Scripture this week or through this verse. Um, Don't underestimate that. The Lord spoke to me. Which Lord? The creator of the universe. The triune God. He spoke to me uh, through his word. Jesus Christ is the final word of God. And those who refuse to hear him uh, are building their lives upon sand and uh, their lives uh, will suffer the penalty of the rejecting of Christ. Quickly, um, the next section, 7 through 19, uh, the writer of Hebrews is warning the Hebrew believers to beware of a hardened heart. And um, I, I appreciate how Bob reads the scripture very clearly in verse 7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, and then there's the quotation from Psalm 95. You see, he's taking that Old Testament passage, telling what happened to the people of Israel and saying, now look, this applies and there's great application to you believers here today, those to whom that is the writer of Hebrews wrote. Um, Psalm 95, of course, points back to the wilderness wanderings of the children of Israel. Before they wandered for 40 years in the wilderness, God miraculously delivered his people from slavery in Egypt. And he took care of them. He revealed his power to them. And the signs, the, the uh, signs that were given uh, to the people of Israel. And uh, how he was victorious over the, quote, gods of Egypt. Israel saw the hand of God. But you know the sad thing here? Is that that experience did not bring them closer to God. And I'm serious about this. Sometimes when I read about the experience of the children of Israel, you wonder why they why they just didn't believe the Lord. I mean, really, if seeing the Red Sea part, <laughs> walking across on dry ground, I mean, a person can't do that, right? It's awesome. It's awesome. That's the God we know. That's the God we love, and God's the God we serve. But the children of Israel, you see... They hardened their hearts, verse 8, as in the rebellion. Verse 10, therefore I was grieved or angry with this generation because they always stray, go astray in their hearts. We really need to take care of our hearts. Now, he's not talking about the physical heart, although we do need to be, take care of that. We need to take care of our bodies. Word of God is very clear about this. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And there are some things that we can do that can damage the heart. We can willfully choose to do those things. But when he's referring to the heart here, he's referring to the control center of our lives. Sometimes it's used to heart, the word heart, to transla- it's translated mind, uh, the source of our knowledge and thoughts and wisdom. But God wants us to take care of our hearts. Um, Proverbs 4.23 is one of the key verses that come up in our minds. Guard your heart with all diligence, 
For out of it come the issues of life. We need to take care of our hearts. We need to take care of the things that come into our thoughts and into our lives. Very important. I guess if you would say, what are some of the most important verses we can teach our children? Is to guard their hearts. And uh, one of the books uh, we will have available next week, it's for, um, well, there's two parts to it. The, the book is for girls, but there's a book that goes with it for mothers. We're going to put them together. And it's called Lies Girls Believe. And there are a lot of lies that both girls and guys here out in the public square today. Things that are contrary to the word of God. And that we need to be very, very careful. The children of Israel did not guard their hearts. Um, and the Lord says that very specifically. He says, um, Today if you will hear his voice, verse 7, do not harden your hearts. I like what Warren Wiersbe said. He said this, The heart of every problem is a problem of the heart. In other words, what am I letting into my mind and my thinking and my control center? that it doesn't line up with the scriptures, the word of God. The people of Israel erred in their hearts, the text of scripture says. And they also had an evil heart of unbelief. Now what didn't they believe? Think about it for a minute. What did not the children of Israel believe? They didn't believe that God would give them the promised land. They didn't believe that God would take them into that land and would give it to them. But he said, wherever the sole of your feet Step, that's going to be your land. I'm giving you the land of Canaan. But they didn't believe it. Uh, there was the majority report and the minority report. And uh, the people believed the majority report. Uh, they said um, there were giants in the land and uh, we're like grasshoppers in their sight. I was going to bring a grasshopper with me this morning, but I thought it would bounce off the pulpit. You know. But what a, what a thing. What a thing to think. We were like grasshoppers when we saw these very large people. Well, it's very sad. The people of Israel, uh, they did not believe that God would give them the land of Canaan. And uh, they actually said, we want to go back to Egypt. Whew. These things touch you when you really look at what they're saying. Think about that. They wanted to exchange the freedom that God had supernaturally given to them. And led them out where they could worship him. And they wanted to go back. And of course there's application of this. For the uh, writer of uh, Hebrews. To give to the Hebrew people. And in fact he said that. Uh, the people of uh, Israel. Uh, they failed to believe the Lord. And they couldn't enter into the, the rest. This land that God was going to give them. Yes they had to conquer the land. But God said I'll be with you. And enable you to conquer the land. They just wouldn't believe it. So they didn't enter into that rest. Likewise today there are people who have come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ they have an assurance of going to heaven someday please don't miss this but how is it that someone who is saved can say well you know I'm going to go back into the world and uh, I'm not going to really live for Christ and I know what I've been taught about things that God wants me to do and doesn't want me to do. Uh, that, that's, a, that's a dangerous thing. It really is um, for a Christian to, oh, we use the term backslide. 
to move away from the Lord, to, to move away from love and joy and uh, enjoy one's relationship with God. Well, what can be done to prevent a believer from backsliding and falling away from the Lord, especially teens and children? What, what can be done? Well, they need to be encouraged. And this is why the writer says, exhort one another daily, verse 13, while it is called today, lest you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. And uh, we have to be careful. There have been, over the years, many believers who have been drawn into sin and, well, you know, this is not really that bad. And I've learned over the years... Stay with me. I've learned, pray for me. I've learned over the years when people say, well, there's really nothing wrong with that. They say, no, let me think. What, what are they talking about? There's nothing wrong with. What does the Word of God say about that? Um, I realize there are some things that are um, not stated specifically in the Word of God that we have to be aware of. I understand that. And I'm not a legalist. Some Christians have a freedom to do certain things that I don't have a freedom to do. And uh, I want to honor the Lord. And uh, I was raised in a home where we were encouraged to avoid certain things. Um, and, and I don't judge other Christians who may do certain things. But we have to be careful of seeing believers who really fall away from the Lord and go back into the world. Well, the writer of Hebrews is trying to prevent that. And what's the antidote for that? The antidote is to um, exhort one another daily. And that's why uh, we need to have contact with one another, don't we? Not just on Sundays, but through the week. Call a brother or sister in Christ. How you doing? How's th- how are things going this week? Doesn't the text say exhort one another daily? I believe it's very clear that it does that. So the sin of the children of Israel, given in verse 12, is that they were departing from the living God. They were refusing God's will for their lives. And uh, I need to be careful. I need to be careful. The things that I know God wants me to do, that I'm willing to do these things and not neglect these things. Does God want me to pray more? Yes. Does God want me to stay in His Word? Yes. Does God want me to encourage other believers? Yes, he does. And we need to encourage one another to do these things for sure. In fact, verse 12 again is a powerful verse. It says, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. I remember a number of years ago, uh, Oliver Price, who founded the uh, prayer ministry uh, that Wes is still involved with, um, a brother fell into sin. And um, Oliver Price uh, knows this brother in the Lord. And um, I said, you know, we really need to pray for him. He said, yeah, we do. Uh, Oliver said, we need to pray for him. But he said, I'm going to tell you something. He's departed from the living God. He didn't lose his salvation, but he sure got away from God and his fellowship with God. Lord, I don't want that to happen. We don't, do we? We want to stay in fellowship with the Lord. But the people of Israel, boy, they departed from the living God. Uh, Their faith was um, quenched. What is faith? Faith is believing what God said he would do. Faith Faith is believing what God said and acting upon it. 
Now, I want you to notice one thing, and we'll close in prayer. Uh, Don't miss this. Chapter 4, verse 2, look over ahead where it says this. For indeed, the good news, now some translations say gospel. The good news of the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, the people of Israel. But the word that they heard did not profit them. Now, why didn't it profit? Because it wasn't mixed with faith in those who heard it. You see, it wasn't mixed with faith. So when I hear my Sunday school teacher teach the Word of God, when I hear something over the radio, and and it's God's Word and God's truth, I need to mix it with faith. I need to say, Lord, Your Word is powerful, and I need to be doing Your Word. I don't want to depart from You. I don't want to step over here and get into some type of sin and say, oh, this sin's not really that bad. You see... People who say, oh, this sin, and they choose to, uh, to violate the word of God, their heart becomes hardened. And what keeps us from a hardened heart? Obedience to the word of God. The exhortation of brothers and sisters in Christ sitting at a table out here having a meal together where we can encourage one another. You see, exhort one another. The point is, they heard the truth, but it wasn't mixed with faith. And the fact that you're here this morning probably says that you've responded to God's truth regarding the worshiping of the Lord. And you've mixed that with faith. You said, you know, I know God's word says that I should worship him. And you've mixed it with faith. And uh, even though there are times when you say, well, you know, now we realize sometimes people are not well, and boy, do we know that, uh, and, and can't come to worship. But when you have the physical ability to come worship, mixed with faith, you understand God desires your worship. And you've heard that from the Word of God. And you mix that with faith and you get in your car and you come to the Lord's house to worship Him. So important. Be doers of the Word and not hearers only. Someone said this, and I'll close with this. Someone said, um, and faith, of course, is responding to the Word of God. And God wants us to have faith. He wants us to trust Him for some things that... And all of us could have our own little list of things that we're trusting the Lord for. Things we'd like the Lord to do today. (laughs) Things that we'd like the Lord to do in the near future. We have to trust Him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For those who come to God must believe that He is and is a rewarder of those who diligently... Don't lose your faith. Even though things aren't exactly like you'd like to see them. Even though there's some things that you still haven't been able to pull into your uh, walk with the Lord, your life before God. Someone said it this way, and I like it. Faith will not always get for us what we want. But it will always get what God wants for us to have. And there's things I would like today. And there's things you would like today. But Lord... Want your perfect will. And I don't want a hardened heart. I want to be responding to your word. I want to be reading it. I don't want my Bible closed during the week where I don't allow you to minister to my heart. Let's pray together.